goes to a family gathering and kind of gets suckered into something. Sound familiar? That's happened to people from time to time. That's what happens here. It says that Jehoshaphat, verse 1 of 18, he had great wealth and honor and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage. Some years later, he went to, ah to see Ahab in Samaria. Ahab, who was a wicked king, the king of Israel, asked Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat, in a moment of family ties, says this, well, I am as you are, my people as your people, we will join you in the war. Like that quickly, he says yes to going to fight in a war. Now, as he says that, there's one thing, because Jehoshaphat's a God follower, right? But he already made the decision without consulting the Lord. He already said yes. But after he does it, it's like the Holy Spirit must convict him or something, right? Like there's a conviction that comes on him, and he's like, well, wait a minute. Now he says, he says uh, first, seek the counsel of the Lord, in verse 4. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, 400 men. Remember, these are probably prophets of Baal and Asherah in the northern kingdom. Those are the prophets that Ahab follows. And he, he asked them, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we not? And all 400 say, go! It's a great idea for God will give it into the king's hands. It's a fabulous idea. Make it happen. But Jehoshaphat looks around and he's like, none of these people are priests or prophets of Israel or God. What, what's going on here? So he says to, 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 to Ahab, is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here of whom we can inquire? The king of, I love this story, the king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, well, there's this one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Like there's this one guy who's a God follower and, a, and he seeks the Lord, but I don't want to talk to him. He never says anything good. Like that should be a real tell right there, right? Like if the prophet never says anything good about you, there might be something in you that needs to change. But Ahab's oblivious to that possibility. So when Ahab says that, Jehoshaphat says, well, King, you shouldn't say that. He replies, you shouldn't say such a thing. Verse 8, so the king of Israel called out his officials, bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, once. Verse 12, the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, look, the other prophets without exception are predicting success for the king. You should let your word agree with theirs. Speak favorably. All 400 of the other prophets say, go. Come on, Micaiah, fall in line. Just go along with the crowd. Tell them it's the right thing to do. Go fight this battle. But Micaiah says to him, as surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what God says. So when he arrived, the king asked Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I not? And surprisingly, Micaiah says, attack, be victorious. They'll be given into your hand. And there must have been some sarcasm in his voice because the king says to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth? In the name of the Lord. Now, if that is what Ahab always has to say to them, it really makes you wonder why Ahab is not heeding what he says. Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. That should say something to him. Since Ahab is the shepherd of the people, in a sense. But they're not going to have a shepherd. This is a prediction of his death. He went on, he said, these people have no master, so let each one go home in peace. To which Jehoshaphat says, 
or the king of Israel says to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never prophesies anything good about me? Only bad. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, says when you, when you hear God's word, he says don't only listen to the word and deceive yourself, but do what the word says. Right? Don't, don't just hear it, but do it. Well, they just heard a word from the Lord, right? It's going to end badly. This is going to end really badly. If you go to war, it's going to end bad. So the right thing to do here would be to say, well, wait a minute, let's not go then. God's telling us not to do this thing. But that's not what happens in the story. <laughs> Even though Jehoshaphat's a good guy, right? He's done a lot of good things. He has a moment where he makes a bad decision. In this moment of his humanity, most of us can relate to Jehoshaphat. <laughs> We've all had those moments where we, we knew better, but we didn't do the thing we should have done. So he fails to heed godly counsel. And the result is disastrous. So I want you to, so far, as you've looked at the story of Jehoshaphat, he seems like a pretty brilliant leader. As long as he's followed God, he comes off looking pretty sharp. But what happens next makes us scratch our head. It leaves us like this, huh? Who is this guy? Because he's about to do some really foolish things. Like, I just want you to gather this, that when we're not heeding godly counsel, we're not doing what God says, we will look foolish too. Listen to what happens to Jehoshaphat. Verse 28. So the king of Israel, that is Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. They're getting ready for war. The king of Israel, Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. Do you get what this means? Like, who do you think the enemy is going to attack? The person who looks like a common soldier or the person who looks like a king? I mean, you're going, no, Jehoshaphat, don't do this thing. Don't let Ahab go in in disguise, and you go in looking like a king. You're going to get massacred. I mean, every one of us in this room is like, don't do it. But he decided not to follow the Lord. He's doing what he comes makes sense to him, I guess. And, then, and, and sillily, and, 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 all, and, and I don't want to be too harsh, but I mean, ridiculously, he says, okay, <laughs> sounds good. That's a great plan. Really? So the king of Israel disguised himself, went into battle. Verse 30, the king of Aaron ordered his chariot commanders, don't fight anyone great or small except for the king of Israel. Look, he tells the whole army, don't attack anyone except the guy who looks like a king. This is not going to end well for Jehoshaphat. So when they saw Jehoshaphat, they thought, hey, this must be the king of Israel. He's wearing royal robes, so they turn to attack him. You have this moment, right? This happens to all of us where we, we realize we've really messed up, and it's like this, don't, oh, what'd I do that for, right? Well, that happens to him when, when literally, right, hell is raining down on Jehoshaphat. Arrows are being shot at him. People are attacking him on every side. And he realizes he is in serious, serious trouble. Now, I hope this doesn't happen to you. I hope you don't have to come to the place where you realize that everything is falling apart to come to the place where you come back to your senses and you call on the Lord. But that is what happens to Jehoshaphat. He is seconds from death. He is seconds from death. But Jehoshaphat cries out, and the Lord helps him. 
Now, this should greatly encourage all of us who have done dumb things. <laughs> that even in the midst of our bad decision, when we turn to the Lord, he can help us. His arm is not short, but is mighty to save. So in the moment of distress, Jehoshaphat is smart enough not to rely on his own cunning or his own wisdom, but he cries out to the Lord for help. One of the most beautiful things it says is in verse 31, and the Lord helped him. God drew the enemy away from him. For when the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they stopped pursuing him. Now as for old Ahab, the guy who was at the battle in the skies, just randomly it says someone drew his bow at random, fired a shot, but it hit the king of Israel between the breastplate and the scale of armor. If you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that Ahab died. All right, that's the pretext to the main event today. So we see his moment of big failing. But that wasn't the biggest challenge that Jehoshaphat would ever face as a king. Jehoshaphat has God as the driving force in his life. In this last story of his life, that is on full display. I want you to gather some things about Jehoshaphat. He loves God. He doesn't always do what he says, but he's trying to. And we come to this point in Jehoshaphat's life where, in chapter 20, he faces a problem that's way bigger than he is. A situation way beyond his ability. If you've been watching the news of late, and you look at the challenges of our world, you feel, I think I feel, a lot like Jehoshaphat. What can we possibly do against this kind of evil, this kind of stuff in the world? What can be done? How do we solve these problems? There are problems too big to solve for a person. Jehoshaphat has a problem like that. I can't possibly win. Only God can solve this problem. So let's look at this great decision, chapter 20. Starting in verse 1, we read these stories. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Three nations came to attack Judah at the same time. Some people came and told King Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hazion Temar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. He proclaimed a fast for the entire nation of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord. And in front of the new courtyard, he prayed and he said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They lived in it. 
They have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name. We will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. These are places whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came to Egypt, or from Egypt. So they turned away from these places. They did not destroy them. But God, see how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And highlight this in your Bible. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If you want to get some momentum in your life, let God be your driving force and acknowledge this fact. <laughs> there are things that we, all, we don't always know what to do, but God does. <laughs> and so what he says here, he says, look... We can't win. I don't see a way out. But we're going to look to you. Help us. He knows where his true help and his true hope lies. I hope that you know that. Because too many of us, when we face a really big challenge, we think that it's up to us. <laughs> I have to be the one to solve the problem. And then when we don't solve it, we just beat ourselves up all the more. I really failed. But Jehoshaphat is at least smart enough to say, God, I can't fix this. I need your help. And in front of all the people, he says, the entire country, we are all looking to you right now. I love what it says in Psalms 20. David, a great-great-grandfather to Jehoshaphat, said this, Some will trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. That must have taken with Jehoshaphat. Here's what it says. After he said that phrase, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, just, just beautiful. All the men of Judah, with their wives, their children, and their little ones, stood there before the Lord. Picture this. Every family praying to God. How did the story of Jehoshaphat begin? He made sure everyone in that nation knew who God was. He had the book of the law read in every single place that they went. How has that paid dividends? Now at their greatest moment of need, an entire nation comes before God, from the littlest to the oldest, and they ask God for help. I realize there are some people who are real skeptical of this. You're like, well, I asked God to do this thing for me once, and it didn't happen the way I wanted. Therefore, God must not be able to help people when they pray. There are a lot of cynics who, who see the world that because they didn't get what they wanted one time. It was a really important thing, so they, they believe there's no way God could be real or that he could really make a difference. Jehoshaphat saw the world differently. Even though things haven't always gone perfect, 
God didn't protect him from those people that were running to get him until he cried out for help. But Jehoshaphat, looking over his life, he knows God. God has been there when he needs him most. And God is there for us when we need him most. He is motivated by the prayers of his people. The Spirit of the Lord then shows up. Everyone is praying. The whole nation is humbly standing before the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord comes on one of the priests, Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, Mataniah, a Levite, and a descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. The priest stood up and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Now just hear that for a minute. How would that change your circumstance? If you right now take the worst problem you have in your life, and you say, okay, this is not a problem that is just for me. This problem belongs to God. He's the one who has to help solve this problem. How would that change your circumstance if you knew that the God who created the heavens and the earth is the one who's going to resolve the situation? Surely you would have some hope. This is what the prophet says. The priest says, the battle's not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. Pause. (laughs) Just hear that for a moment. So you have someone saying, it's okay, go fight them. Now, we just heard in the last story, all those false prophets said, it's okay, go fight them. And Ahab loses his life in the battle. But now after they've sought the Lord in prayer, a prophet stands up, a priest stands up, and he says, listen, go fight. Go down this road. Go face them. It's like your dad saying, right? You've got a bully that wants to fight you tomorrow at noon, and your dad says, okay, at noon, go out there and stand in the yard, face the bully, and you're like, man, this is going to end in disaster. Dad, I'm going to get killed. What are you asking me to do here? Jehaziel says, hey, the battle's the Lord. Tomorrow, I'll march down against them. They're going to be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. But you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm. See the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow. The Lord will be with you. Now Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem also fell down before the Lord, and they worshipped him. Then some of the Levites stood up. They praised the God of Israel with a very loud voice. There's no indication of that they ever leave the temple. So perhaps they worship all night long, perhaps they sleep there, whatever happens, very early the next morning, they do what God asked them to do. Jehoshaphat's learned something, hasn't he? He once consulted the Lord and did not do what God told him to do, and it was a disaster. Now he's consulted the Lord, and he's going to do exactly what God asked him to do. This is something we should do as well. So often we want God to do things for us, but we don't want to do what he asks us to do. 
Maybe that's part of the answer to the question of what happens. Why didn't I get what I prayed for? Why does it happen? Well, part of it is, is that we, we, we want to do whatever we want all the time, but we want God to jump in and rescue us when we haven't listened to him in anything else. They do exactly what God asked them to do. Jehoshaphat bowed down. He does what God asked him. And it says that early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. Now picture this army, right? Typically, right, you'd want to have your, your bravest soldiers at the front of the column, or you'd have your tanks or your missiles, some kind of superpower symbol at the front of the column going into battle, so that when the enemy sees you, they're afraid. They're fearful. But in this situation, you've got a bunch of old men singing songs. And the song they sing is, give thanks to the Lord. They're praising him for his love that endures forever. That's their song. They're singing a love song to God as they march out to battle. Right? Some people want to fill the world with silly love songs. Well, they sure did. A love song to God. They go out into battle singing the song. Like, just in that alone, right? What does the enemy have to think about that? That's an unusual strategy for going into battle. And here's what it says, that as they sang, God went to work. God said, this battle is not for you, it's for me. You do this part. Your job is just to seek me and to praise me and to love me. My job is to protect you, and God does God's job. They do theirs, and they are worshiping, and they are praising, and they are trusting, and God does his part. And as he goes out, he sets ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, those who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. For the Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men of Mount Seir, they turned on each other. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. <laughs> Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder. They found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could carry away. In fact, there was so much that it took three days to collect it. And after they had collected it all on the fourth day, they all assembled in the valley of Barakah, which means praise. And they praised the Lord. And they praised so long and so loud and with such rigor that the place's name was changed to Barakah forever. <laughs> it was the place of praise to God. Then they, led by the king himself, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to the city. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered the temple of Jerusalem, and they went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. And the fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God 
had given him rest on every side. Jehoshaphat let God be the driving force. He freely said, I cannot make the decisions. God has to make them. But when God is making them, I can follow what God does. And at the end of the story, he has rest and he has peace. I started by asking, what's the driving force, the motivating force in your life? It's an important question for us to ask. For Jehoshaphat, nothing was more important than his relationship with God. Nothing. On the occasion that he had let family cloud his vision, he was almost destroyed. And he quickly learned his lesson. But because he learned the lesson, he didn't just save himself. He saved every man and woman and child who stood with him before the Lord. Today, as we come to our conclusion of the sermon, there are a couple of thoughts I want you to gather. If you're already a believer, if you're like Jehoshaphat and you're trusting God, then heed what it says. In his prayer, he said this, right? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If you're already a believer, let that be where we go right now. Where are your eyes right now? What are you trusting in, in these perilous times? And if you're not a Christian, let me encourage you. Make, make that decision. The decision to say to Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to be the, the leader of my... That's what Jehoshaphat had said to God. You're the Lord. You're the boss. I'm going to do what you say. And that's what we say to Jesus. You're the Lord. You're the boss. I want to do what you say. And what we want is for him to save us just like Jehoshaphat wanted to be saved in a physical way. We say, I want to be saved for eternity. And I want you to be a part of my life, Jesus. This morning, you have the opportunity to make that decision, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to get right with him if you haven't done that. And if you have done that, you have a chance to have a moment of prayer and to stand before the Lord like Jehoshaphat did and say, Lord, not sure what we're supposed to do now. <laughs> but our eyes are on you. Deliver us. Whatever decision you need to make, would you make it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation? Mm -hmm.